Department of Education, Rita Watson speaking. May I help you please? Coming to Cheyenne was my first time leaving home, and it was hard for me. It was hard for my mom. And when we drove into Cheyenne, I said, honey, I want you to show me downtown. And we were coming down Lincoln Way. He said, this is it. I said, you have got to be kidding me. So I figured right then and there, two years here, and then we'll be gone. And that was uh, 48 years ago. I'm Lindsay Linton Buck, and you're listening to the Women in Wyoming podcast series, where I talk with inspiring and influential women around the state and learn about their lives, journeys, and how they got to where they are today. You're listening to Chapter 3, Power. This time, Rita Watson, a dedicated public servant who has worked for every superintendent of education for nearly half a century. I talk with Rita about her journey from the South to the rural West, what's made her stay for the last 40 plus years, and why she feels so passionate about making a difference in the lives of others. Here's Rita. I was born in Guilford County, North Carolina, in Greensboro, October 15, 1941. You were born in Greensboro, but tell me a little bit about growing up in Durham. Oh, I have uh, wonderful memories about growing up in Durham. We were in the county, and my mom, well, she cleaned houses for people, day work, and she worked at the American Tobacco Factory at night, but she always had breakfast for us and dinner, and we had a nice home. We were poor, very poor. I had two brothers. We had to go up the street to get water and bring it home. We had an outside toilet. Then we moved to the city in Durham moved to the area of Durham that's called the West End, and uh, we had inside facilities then, and it was during the time when Durham was segregated. So I lived in a black community, but white people lived kind of close by. Did you always go to segregated schools? All of my school years were segregated schools. I graduated from an all-black school, very good school, too. I learned a lot. I knew I wasn't going to go to college because I couldn't afford it, but I had a very good education. Our teachers loved us. They were concerned about us, and they knew that we had to be twice as good as anybody else out there when we went out in the world to get a job, and it was so many, just so many jobs that we could even apply for. So they taught us how to live in the white world. Growing up as a child in the segregated South, what was that like to be part of that very real discrimination. It was mean, but we, we lived through it. We knew what to expect, and uh, we tried to stay out of the way, do all the right things, say all the right things, and just do what we had to do. We stayed in our place during that time because you didn't dare do some things, but we still had, we had a good life. We had a good, pretty good life. We had, in our community, we had church. We had grocery stores. We had an all-black bank. We had an all-black insurance company in the city. And uh, we had everything we needed except equal opportunity. Right. And you said that going through high school, you didn't think that college, you didn't consider college as an option because it was too expensive. So what was your plan well, in my high school, we had the students who were going to college and the ones who were not going to go to college, and you took courses for that reason. The college, the kids who were going to college took college entry courses. Me, I took secretarial courses, and I learned how to take shorthand, type, write, and do all of the things that you would do in a business world. And so what happened after high school? Where did you go next? When I graduated high school in 1960, 
I went to work, Duke University Divinity School in food service. And then I applied for a job. I mean, you know, things were getting better then for black people. I applied for a job in Woolworths, Woolworths Five and Dime store. You know, it had everything in it. That was right after the sit-ins and all of that. And surprisingly, I got the job as the first black person to work in Woolworths store as a clerk. That was the time when they were uh, hiring black people. I got the job. And I did then, like I do now, went in early, stayed late if I had to. My work ethic is of such where I did the best job, better than anybody else. If I saw somebody was doing something, I did it better, twice as good. And uh, when, you, when you do that long enough, people notice. And it happened to me. I went in. Uh, my first job there was the warehouse part. It was a mess. And I cleaned it up, and then they gave me the fish and the animals that they sold. I cleaned that up, and then I got to be on the checkout. I was the first black person on the checkout. My money balanced every day. The other girls, they were short or over or something. Mine balanced every day. And I knew that I wanted to be successful, and I knew that I would have to work hard to do it. You know, I just, that's just me. I, I love to do a good job. I do. You know, you're moving up on the scene in Durham. How did you get to Wyoming? In 1965, I got married to my husband. He was in the Air Force, and we were in Durham for a while after we got married, and then he got transferred to Warren Air Force Base. So I decided to give Cheyenne a try. Yeah, what, <laughs> what was going through your mind, you know? What did you what did you even know of Wyoming? Nothing except Yellowstone National Park. Coming to Cheyenne was my first time leaving home, and it was hard for me. It was hard for my mom. And when we drove into Cheyenne, I said, honey, I want you to show me downtown. And we were coming down Lincoln Way. He said, this is it. I said, you have got to be kidding me. So I figured right then and there, two years here, and then we'll be gone. And that was uh, 48 years ago. Joanne Amon, I'll never forget her. I don't know whether I would have gotten, I don't know whether somebody else would have hired me or not, but Joanne was a wonderful lady. She hired me in Vital Record Services to do, of course, the lowest job on the list of jobs to do, but I made copies of birth, death, marriage, and divorce certificates and came in early, got it caught up. Of course, it was behind, got it caught up, and Dr. Schrader was the state superintendent of public instruction, and he would always come in that back door and come by my office, and we got to be really good friends, and he always wanted me to come up here, and I kept telling him that I felt like I owed it to Joanne Amon to stay there and work because she hired me. And he kept going. He just he kept at me. He really pulled me out of there and brought me up here. So I was uh, kind of drafted as the state superintendent's uh, secretary. You've worked for eight superintendents. What about this job keeps you here? I love it. I love, I love making a difference in uh, education. I love, I love dealing with the public and helping the districts with the things that they need. I, I, like, I just love what I do. Absolutely love it. Do you remember all of them? Dr. Schrader, then it was Lynn Simons, and after Lynn Simons, it was Diana Oman, and after Diana, it was Judy Catchpole, 
After Judy, it was Trent Blankenship. He left early, so as an interim superintendent, I worked for Jim McBride. And after Jim McBride, it was Cindy Hill. And so that was kind of an interim type thing, too. So I, had, I worked for two other people during that, uh, those four years. And then Jillian. With Jillian, I've met her children and kind of grown up with her children. I grew up with Judy's children. Diana Oman just taught me so much about her life. Dr. Schrader grew up with his children. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just such a, just such a blessing. That's so nice. It sounds really personal. Very personal. I mean, I, I was treated by all of them like part of their family. Walk me through a typical day in Rita's world. <laughs> well. I come in, I get here about 5 or 5.10, and I come in. In the morning. <laughs> in the morning. My work time starts at 8, 8 to 5, that's me. But I get here early because I work better when it's quiet, and anything that requires a lot of attention or detailed uh, work, I come in and, and get that out of the way so when, uh, when the superintendent comes in, I can be ready to just drop whatever I'm doing because it's done and do whatever he or she thinks is the primary thing to do, first thing to do in the morning. And I just do whatever needs to be done, whatever the superintendent needs and other people. I work with everybody on the floor. I've been here so long, I think everybody thinks that if they need something, I might be able to help them. And I try to be that person to help them. Are people surprised when they walk in and you're the first person they see when they're meeting the superintendent? Uh, lots of times I think they are, but now I think they expect it because they know. But in the beginning, yes. Mm-hmm. In Wyoming, I really think a lot of people out in some of the smaller places probably had never met a black person before, and they were just surprised because they were used to thinking what they read in the papers or saw in the news. So I, I think I've made a difference there. Well, and speaking of that difference, I really want to hear about the Love and Charity Club because I know that's an organization you're really passionate about. And tell me a little bit about what that is. Let's see, about uh, what, maybe um, 40 years ago, about eight of us women on base decided that we wanted to make a difference in the community. And we got together and formed the Love and Charity Club just so we could make a difference and do charitable things in the community and just hold the community together and just do things. We were all black and we wanted to just make a presence, a a black presence in the city. And we had a Miss Black Heritage pageant. We had Meet the Candidates programs. But during the centennial for Wyoming, we had black uh, artifacts over there. We've had art festivals, and we celebrated Kwanzaa. That was a new holiday for most of the people here. We granted scholarships for lots of graduating students in schools in Wyoming. And we had essay contests, and we had lots of participation all around the state in in that. We just wanted to do things to make a difference in this city and in the state. We helped fight to get Martin Luther King birthday as a holiday. We marched, and we're still marching. Been marching for 36 years. Why do you feel like it's still important to recognize that day and, and celebrate? 
Martin Luther King. Uh, Dr. King, he did great things, many contributions to this country and to the world. And we need to honor him. We need to honor the past, the present, and the future of blackness. And we need to keep his dream alive because it was a wonderful, it's a wonderful dream. We haven't reached the fruition of the dream yet. So we need to keep marching so people will realize that things can be better. We can make a better world. If we stop, then we'll probably lose everything that we have so far. So I just think our children need to see that there's hope. They need to know that they should get their education and, and get active in the community and try to make things better for everybody, not just the black community, but make life better for everybody. So you've seen so much happen, it just even in education over that time period. So how has your job changed over this period? I've seen lots of changes. You know, I, I don't even I don't even know how to even talk about them. It's just so much has changed. The way we do business, the it has all evolved. Each person had his or her own idea as to how to do education. It's been it's all good. A few sticky times, but I've enjoyed all of it. I, I really have enjoyed my time working here. I've learned a lot and I think I've made a difference. My passion is education. I want to see our children get a good education, and I want people to realize that they need an education. They should get as much education as they can because that's the key to success and to our future. Has anyone worked in the department education longer than you have? No, no. I don't think it's even close. So you are officially the expert on the Department of Education. Well, I think uh, maybe, yes, I think so. I think so. I feel really proud that people do ask me things and depend on me to to know things, and I just love it. So you're so motivated. You come into work at 5 a.m. every morning, work till 5 p.m., probably later some nights, and you want to make it two more years. At least. Exactly. So until my- until I'm not happy. I love what I do. And I'm active in the community, too. I My church, I'm chairman of the Board of Trustees and the Treasurer, and I'm treasurer for the Love and Charity Club, past uh, president, the Eastern Stars. I'm a member of Wyoming Chapter Number 6, Order of the Eastern Stars, treasurer, past matron. And I belong to the Sankofa group that's doing the Black Film Festival and the NAACP. I'm active in there. I just like to be busy. I do. I I like to uh, do things that's going to make a difference in the lives of of others. I can't think of anything else that I really want to to do other than work. (laughs) Well, you're living your dream. I am. I really am. I'm living my dream. I never, I never, if, if someone had asked me 40 years ago where I thought I'd be, I don't think I would have thought that I would have accomplished all that I have accomplished in my life. I want young children to know that there's hope. If you have something you want to do, you can do it. You just have to put forth the effort to do it. And you have to learn how to work with other people and be active and just keep moving. That was Rita Watson. To see Rita's full profile and portraits, visit womeninwyoming.com. That's womeninwyoming.com. 
You can also follow my journey on Instagram at Women in Wyo, that's Women in W-Y-O, or on Facebook at Women in Wyoming. The Women in Wyoming Multimedia Exhibit will debut in partnership with the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody, Wyoming, October 25th, 2019 through August 2nd, 2020. The exhibit will feature large-scale portraits and audio soundscape and interactive components to celebrate the achievements, power, and learned wisdom of Wyoming women today. Visit womeninwyoming.com to learn how you can help bring the exhibit to life and sponsor Women in Wyoming at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West this fall.